Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 1st, 2016. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book. We will begin reading on page 38, the first paragraph. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous through three paragraphs ending as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Hmm. Our readers today for the 12 steps, Charlie G, 12 Traditions, Nadia B, and our readers of the text will be Devorah S, Lisa H, and Martha Z. The reference number for Monday, February 29, 2016, this leap year, is 8498. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Charlie G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, friends. I'm a compulsive overeater named Charlie from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
may try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie G. I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. The 12 Traditions of Eaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to never be fully supporting, fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Awaiters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAS as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Awaiters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all this tradition, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 38, the second paragraph, where it says, You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? And we'll be reading three paragraphs. The first paragraph is just for context. 
and we're focusing on our, our shares on paragraph, the last paragraph and the first paragraph on page 39. And at this time, I will ask Devorah to begin reading for us. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah S. from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit, if we substitute alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you have told us that such things could, could never have, could not happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. That may be true of certain non-alcoholic people who, though drinking foolishly and heavily at the present time, are able to stop or moderate because their brains and bodies have not been damaged as ours were. But the actual or potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and to re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Let us take another illustration. Okay, so we've just read. We've read about uh, Fred in the previous paragraph. I'm sorry, about Jim in the previous paragraph. Um, um, you know, or you know, the Jaywalker as well, um, giving us an example and um, who who we are like. And um, and these paragraphs are telling me that. You know how many years I've I've walked around being so miserable and in pain, but thinking, oh, it's not so bad yet. Looking at other people, thinking, well, she's very heavy. So I'm not as bad as her, am I? You know, in my head, comparing myself to other people. You know, it's not so bad yet. I'm, you know, I might be 250 pounds, but I don't look like her, who must be 300 pounds. You know, um, and you know that thinking of, oh, you know, I've. You know, I'm still functional. I get up, I go to my job, I take care of my family. I'm still okay. It's not that bad yet. Um, or my doctor telling me, you know, you're really on your road to, um, you know, uh, to, to uh, you know, you have diabetes already, but, you know, you're on the road. It could really get bad. And the symptoms that you're having, you might, you know, people I know have their legs amputated. And I say, well, in my head, not that bad yet. It's okay. So, um, you know, I had to really come to this point where I had to say to myself, um, get myself in such a position that um, I couldn't do it anymore. My knowledge, my self-knowledge wasn't going to make me stop because it wasn't helping until now. I had to surrender myself and to get to a point you know, like it says over here, but I had to really smash home the idea to myself that I could not do this thing um, um, and um, that 
I, I just can't. I, I've lost the. I've lost my, my, um, my control. I have no control. And uh, these pages emphasize it over and over again that we are unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. All the knowledge that I knew that I thought I had about myself and about my issues with the food was nothing until I had to come here and, you know, put down my substance, learn about the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, and do the work in these pages. I had to um, honestly just surrender, just put down my will and look for another way. And um, really grateful that I got to that point. You know, pain is a great motivator. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, it's a hard place to be, that pain. But the other side coming out of it, you know, the freedom to getting reborn and to just, you know, to learn these pages and to live a life that's with freedom, honestly, from the freedom of the obsession and of the mind and these alcoholic substances are not bothering me anymore, you know, that is, that is freedom and really, really grateful to be able to do this work day in and day out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. And um, keeping our shares focused on the uh, bottom paragraph of page 38 and the first paragraph of page 39, would anyone like to share on either of these two paragraphs? Katie G. from Boston. Larry. Larry. Lindy S. Melissa C. Lindy S. Tina S. Ginger C. Tina S. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last name. Carol G. Carol G., thank you. I've got Katie G., Larry, Lindsay, or Lindy. I'm sorry, Lindy, I always do that to you. Melissa, That's okay. Melissa, Tina S., Carol G., was there anyone else? Okay, let's get started with those. Katie G., you're up, and Larry, you'll be, you'll be on, on deck. Good morning, Sally. Can you hear me? Yes, Katie, just one second, please, before you get started. Can you please, everybody, mute your phones? And Katie, you go ahead. I can hear you. Okay, Sally, let me just put my timer on. Good morning, everyone. Katie G., recovered compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic, out of breath from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> um, I guess the thing that really struck me today is what chapter are we in, right? We're in more about relapse. And what is important for me, um, not only as a compulsive reader doing the steps, like identifying in, okay, this is the craziness, this is the insanity that I did with the food over and over and over again, right? But this is what I do with my life. So a great example, I remember reading through the steps the first time as an abstinent woman and um, realizing that I did this exact same thing every single time with a job. I kept going into the ringer. I kept crossing the street as a jaywalker over and over again saying, this is the job I need, God. This is the job I'm going to do. And I, KDG from Boston, got fired each and every time. Right, and that's what I do. That's who I am. Within that weeks after getting fired, I'm thinking, you know what, guys? KDG from Boston needs to be back in management. And you know what I did this morning? I got up and said, God, I am not in management. And let me tell you, it is very hard to just surrender. And in order for me to continue to stay dynamic and active, I am not saying that I am not 
powerless because I am. And it is super important for me to identify in and see how over and over again I went back into the boxing ring with food. And over and over again, I tried to get the food idea out of my head. And it's equally important for me to see over and over again as I continue in recovery how I act this way with exercise over and over again. I go back into the ring thinking, okay, KDG from Boston, you got this, God. You got my food. You got my, you know, my relationships most of the time. But tell you what, I got the exercise. And over and over again until the point that I am making decisions based on exercise. I am putting exercise in front of everything. And it is so clear to me, my mental insanity. And the reason that I look at it in that way and the people that walk with me look at it that way is because what chapter are we we in? We're in more about relapse, right? And so what's so critical for me as a recovered compulsive overeater is to stay entirely abstinent and to stay completely dynamic and active in the work and say, okay, where am I being a jaywalker today? And for a a lot of my areas, guys, I am not a jaywalker, but I would be dishonest if I said to you, I don't keep going back in the ring. Ask my fiance. I go back in the ring. We go back in the ring again and again. And then I'm back and I'm saying, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. So I love this illustration because, and I'll just close with this, it is a way of guiding you back to God each and every time. Where do I need to surrender? In what areas am I agnostic? And how do I get closer to God and away from relapse? I am doing it with you guys today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie Jean. Larry, you're up. Lindy, you'll be up next. Hey, Sally. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So uh, what I read in here in these paragraphs is, is uh, this notion that we, we have to identify in if we are a compulsive overeater and we've diagnosed ourselves. The big book tells us how to do that rather than seeking to disqualify myself or identify out. And that, that's what, uh, what I always did. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an attorney, but in legal terms, you know, I hear often, I guess in civil cases, they refer to a preponderance of the evidence, you know. And this is, is based on the weight of the more convincing evidence. Not, not how much uh, individual elements of evidence, but the, the probability of its truth, um, you know, based on the weight of the evidence. And you know, so for example, I, when I, coming into programs, some of us can overanalyze, you know, and, and say, well, was I morbidly obese when I got here? Not really. I looked okay. You know, um, did I have the inability to stop or, or loss of control? You know, um, a lot of times I did, but not always. You know, I had a little out there. Did I eat abnormal amounts? A lot of the time, certain things, but other things not, you know. Did I purge? No, I didn't do that. Did I eat alone? Yeah, a lot of the times, but sometimes not. You know, was I always disgusted, depressed, all those things? Sometimes yes and no. But here's the thing for me. Um, The bottom line for me is the doctor's opinion so beautifully lays it out. It said, you know, again, am I restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can again experience that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few bites? And after I succumb to that desire again and the phenomenon of craving develops or I pass through the stages of a spree, you know, I emerge remorseful and I had that firm resolution to stop again and again and again, you know, and this was repeated over and over and over and over, you know, so I had to stop 
arguing and I had to quit the debate society and identify in. That was the key because if I didn't identify in, I was never going to have the wherewithal or the desire, the motivation to see these steps through, these action steps. This program was never for someone who just needed it because I needed it. It wasn't even for those who wanted it because I would have told you. I, I told all eight of my sponsors in the first five years I wanted it, each and every one of them. I want this. I want this. It's for people who do it. And it took me to become someone who was willing to do it in sequence that was, as it was laid out and identify in rather than identifying out. And that's, that made all the difference, made all the difference Thank for you. me. Thank God for this program. Thanks, Sally. Thank you, Larry. And Lindy, it's your turn. Melissa, you're up next. Hi, this is Lindy. I'm a compulsive overeater from upstate New York, DF. Um, I guess what the reading is talking about is uh, as compulsive overshares, uh, you go back, uh, you run to the street over and over, and our understanding of ourselves and the street and traffic doesn't really help us. And, you know, I, I talked earlier in the week, the last week, about struggling with food, and I'm uh, very grateful that I'm in a much better place today. Um, and I think that instead of the self-will and even the self-knowledge, I mean, self-knowledge is, yes, recognizing what we're doing. And then for me, it's surrender and willingness. Um, and I just, that connection, for me, that connection with my higher power it's all the difference. And I'm, I think to be working through six and seven and in kind of a more, I don't know, meaningful way than the first time I did it. And Lindy, Lindy? Yeah? We're having a hard time hearing you. You're breaking up. Can you change your position or, or something? Um, well, I'll just say that I'm grateful uh, to be here and grateful to be my path. Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. Melissa, it's your turn, and Tina S., you'll be up next. Hi, good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I was thinking um, how for so long I would sit and make the mental list in my head of ways that I'm not quite as bad as everyone around me you know, whether it's at a meeting um, or other people that are struggling. And, um, yeah, and so there were lots of things that people shared that they did that I never did. And um, and yet, why was I, you know, continuing to suffer and struggle and yet um, point at the ways that I'm not quite as bad as other people? And, um, you know, why did I do that? Because I did not want to have to follow the direction. I wanted there to be an exception for me. You know, and that's always, um, I think that's always been who I, who I am in my heart um, or who I was. You know, I wasn't looking for good orderly direction. I wanted um, you to make an exception for me. Don't you know I'm special, I'm different? And, um, and so, 
Yeah, I did not want to believe that I was quite as bad as other people because, truthfully, I wanted to hang on to some of my food and some of my food behaviors a little longer. And so I would point to the fact that I never, I didn't really throw up, you know. Um, I didn't eat out of the garbage. I didn't eat spoiled food. Um, I still had a husband, you know. I have children. I have a home. I have a job. I can't be that bad. And yet when I really took stock, my own personal, um, you know, consequences of this disease was very obvious to everybody else around me. Um, and all those things that I would point out that I still had had no beauty, no meaning. You know, they were slowly losing their um, their beauty and appeal. You know, I had no appreciation for my loving family, for my job, for my home. Um, and, and so that was my, you know, that was my awakening, that even though I had it all, I really had nothing. And, uh, you know, and so just the same, when I share where the disease took me, I have to respect the people that um, I work with, that everybody has their own personal experience of it, and that we, really we can share our stories, but we actually have to experience um, all of it, I think. And, uh, you know, thank you for that all passed. Thank you. And Tina S.? Thanks, Sally. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in uh, Florida. Uh, heard some really great shares and could really relate, and that's really why I'm grateful for this meeting. It's, it's a powerful one. And, it, you know, it says we admit we have some of these symptoms. You know, I admitted I had some of that stuff. You know, and thanks for the information. I went to treatment in 1987, and, you know, I could relate to a lot of stuff that was going on there, you know, but, uh, I, I, you know, I got a handle on this thing, you know, and I, I'm not licked yet. I, 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 you know, and um, and so, you know, I had to go into the bitter end for me. You know, it was uh, 12 years later when I came in my, my last absence state uh, or my last relapse, and, um you know, one of the things that, that helped me, too, was that, you know, I would hang around, out with people that, you know, weren't uh, alcoholic or potential alcoholic or compulsive eaters. You know, they could just say, oh, you know, I just did too much last week on vacation, so I'm not going to eat like that anymore. And they were fine, and I wanted to be like that. But that was not me. You know, I was the actual or potential alcoholic compulsive eater. And it says, you know, with hardly an exception, you know, we will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge, you know, and that's italicized, and Bill did that, you know, when he wanted to stress the point here, you know, and um, my self-knowledge, you know, my own power, you know, that wasn't getting me nowhere, but in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and other 12-step programs, you know, and I had to be convinced that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity and give me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And that's what has happened for me through the 12 steps. You know, uh, a life beyond my wildest dreams. When I got here, I didn't think I was going to live to be 30. You know, I'm 58 and I have a fabulous life today, one day at a time, as long as I'm present, as long as I'm practicing these principles and all my affairs. You know, I got a shot today. So thanks and I'll pass. Thank you. And Carol G. <clears throat> Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G, Compulsive Overeater Recovered for today. Yeah, this is a great chapter. Um, the wake-up sentence for me here today is, I understand myself so well now that such things cannot happen again. Well, 
Yes, in my experience, they can. Um, I have experienced that time and time again, but I can forget this so easily. This chapter for me is a great way of checking for my symptoms of insanity. I like to keep everything current. I'm not cured. And so what if I'm doing any jaywalking today? Would I even notice? So I look 1st of March 2016, what's going on with me today? This disease is so sneaky. What if my food behaviours have changed? Would I even notice? Um, you see, I can take shortcuts. I'm a shortcutter. Um, and just because I know the ropes now, um, I could probably take shortcuts. But what I do is I do a semi-annual sanity check and I see if I'm jaywalking because I don't need to... Um, well, I know I don't need to because when I'm walking through the pages with other people, I can always see my own truth. But for me, I just need to because sometimes I can get lured out onto thin ice without even realizing. And this chapter is a great way for me to keep check on that. Um, I knew quite quickly that um, I couldn't live off the buzz of my miraculous spiritual awakening because that for me would be jaywalking. I would just say thank you for my recovery and go on my merry way. Um, I have to really play the role that God assigns. And if I'm being stalked by the disease, I might see a little bit of a red light flashing on the dashboard from time to time, but it would take me an awful long time before I stopped at the gas station for some petrol. So I have to keep my full force connection so strong every single day because I didn't get my power and choice back over food. I'm still powerless. But the huge difference today is that the disease isn't the one in power. The disease isn't the one in power anymore. It's it's like the spirit of the universe is the one in power. They're the two powers, and I'm the one in the middle with this with this powerlessness. So I always have to make sure that I'm connecting in with the correct power. Um, I have to make sure that this disease is not telling me to tell lies to myself because it will ask me to isolate myself from all of you. And one of the things that I use today as well as my own checklists is the OA conference approved checklist. It's quite useful. It gets me thinking about, am I resting on my laurels? Am I accepting an unacceptable behavior that I once used to, you know, check on myself? Am I using those kind of resources on the special editions? We have some great ones that wake us up about what we're doing with food and what we're doing about with this insanity and how we can help others. You know, these resources are fantastic, but what they always do for me is keep me out of that mental insanity because I'm not cured and every single day I have to make sure I'm not jaywalking. Thank you, Vision, for you, and I pass. Thank you, Carol G. And are there, are there any others who might want to share on these paragraphs before we move forward? Reva P. Martha C. Okay, let's go with those two. Reva P. and then Martha Z. Good morning. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, great. This is uh, Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, For me, these paragraphs remind me that reaching bottom is an inside job. It has nothing to do with what's going on in my life, what I have, the car I drive, the house or house that I don't have, the job. It's an internal condition. And you know what? I can't give that Um, or make somebody get to that point uh, when they come to a meeting. I am so grateful that I came into the rooms when I was at my emotional, physical, mental bottom. 
I was licked. I was desperate. And the gift of desperation was that I was willing to do whatever they told me because I did not want to live like that anymore. Um, And um, I see working with newcomers, you know, if I think I'm just a little bit like this um, and everything else is okay and I just have a little bit of a problem with food, um, I'm not going to do the work. Um, So it's that gift of desperation that um, motivates me to do whatever it is I need to do to get well. Um, And this also reminds me it's not just with the food, but with anything, anything in my life, my relationships, my work, um, anything. When I feel like I've got this, I'm good to go. I got this. You know, I've done my work. I'm all spiritual. I can handle this. That's when I'm in real trouble. So for me, it's a daily surrender, a daily reminder that I am not in charge of running the show. Um, and wh- whatever I know, whatever I have is irrelevant, really. Um, and the only way that I can live life on life's terms, God's terms, is to keep doing the work and let God handle the big stuff. And I just need to do the small steps, which compared to the big problems in my life seems, you know, a lot simpler. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. And Martha Z. Good morning, Sally. This is Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Um, I was one of these people that, you know, I had my my husband, my children, my home, my, you know, everything, cars, you know, home. Um, and, you know, I thought I was a high-bottom, you know, compulsive overeater. And, but I was also one of these people that had a good all-together act and was shattering in a million pieces inside. So when I went to treatment... I was doing a lot of comparing, and I I was getting scared because I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, oh my gosh, I hope my insurance covers me. Um, what if I'm not bad enough? And that was ridiculous. I mean, I was so needed to be there. I but that's what my disease was telling me. And um, anyway, but my my revelation came when I got home from treatment, and I went to a, a an Al-Anon meeting, and they were doing step one. And there was a guy there, and he said, you know, you know, I didn't lose my, you know, my wife or my house or my job or my car or my children. He said, I lost myself. And I, I thought, oh, dear God, like I, that was me. I had no idea what I thought or felt about anything. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't stop doing what I didn't want to do. I completely lost myself. And here I was thinking I didn't lose anything, and I wasn't that bad. And um, the other part of the sharing is the actual or potential compulsive overeater, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop overeating on the basis of self-knowledge. Then it goes on to say, um, this is a point we wish to smash home on our alcoholic readers. And I'm thinking, hmm, where do we... um, hear that word smash again and it was in the beginning of the paragraph where it says the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed and then it says we won't 
about self-knowledge, and we know that self-knowledge avails us nothing. So I, I had one more thing I wanted to say about the paragraph before where it said strangely insane. I, I was kind of offended by that word insanity. I could kind of admit that what I did with food was kind of crazy. But in my life, no, nah, it wasn't that insane. And, and in my life, as well as with my food, I was always trying to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. So when I came into the program and there was step two and it talked about being restored to sanity, and I would say out loud, yeah, yeah, that'll happen, but it won't be in this lifetime. And I just want to say, you know, in terms of offering hope, it did happen in this lifetime. It actually happened when I was 34 years old. And I have been blessed with a relatively sane life, not only with my food, but in, you know, with my life and the choices I make. And I can't be grateful enough. Thank you all for being there. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. And I will ask Lisa H. to begin reading on page 39, the second paragraph. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. Lisa H. Thank you, Sally. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Fred is partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home is happily married and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he's an alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Um, Again, this is Lisa, gratefully recovered um, just for today. And I can so identify with Fred. Um, You know, I was thinking while I was, before I started to share, I had a fine home, a happy marriage. I was the mother of two children. Um, You know, I had lots of friends. I had a good job. Um, and then it also occurred to me that during this whole, my whole married life, um, and before that, I, um, I was just sure that I could find a way to my, find the answer to my food problem. I would find the right diet or the right self-help book. I would go to church more or I would exercise more. Um, I was just sure I could do it by myself. And I made up my mind hundreds of times 
to put down the food. And, and I was able to do that for short periods of time, um, only to rebound um, even further into the food. Um, finally, thank God, a friend of mine um, asked me to go to OA with her. And that was just a little over a year ago. And I can remember I had great discomfort sitting in that meeting because I thought I wasn't that bad. Um, but when I heard other people talking about their experience with food, um, I completely identified with that and realized, um, that I wasn't alone anymore. Interestingly enough, um, since I've worked the steps, I really have learned more about myself, um, than ever before, you know, putting down the food, um, and getting out of what I sort of called my 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 carbohydrate stupor, um, so much more about myself, my thinking, my behavior um, has been revealed to me. And so for me, I had to be willing to change. To me, um, it's all been about change, changing first my behavior, changing my way of thinking, my way of um, you know, uh, caring for people, talking to people. Um, and the only way that could happen um, for me was was to ask my higher power to take over and to take over on a daily basis um, and, and transform me um, into the person he wants for me to be. And um, because that has what has truly given me my life back. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? Linda H-A-W. R. My name is Gladys. May I share? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I heard Linda R. Gladys. Rachel W. I'm sorry. Rachel W. And Gladys. Gladys. Anyone else? Mm. Okay, let's go ahead. Linda R. Good morning, Sally. This is Linda R. Recovered in South Florida on this glorious day. And I thank you so much for your service in the program. Anyway, I'm listening, of course, the Jay Walker, the repetition of the walking across, getting run over and breaking all different bones. That's, you know, the uh, progressive nature of the insanity of my disease doing the same things over and over again and getting the same result. And in my recovery I uh, process, I've done that with so many other areas as well because I needed to be convinced. You know, if, unless I did the relapse, whatever you want to call it, the slipping, the sliding, uh, as a food addict, my substance took a little bit longer to deflate my ego with that repetition of the defect. But yesterday I was reading a book, an OA book on... Um, the history of the program, and I never really knew this, but the uh, the original program came from another 12-step fellowship that is a very, very behavioral program, and um, I know for me, when I first came in with the tools and all the different support and the fellowship, you know, working the behavioral part of the program was a very crucial aspect, you know, to get my daily regimen, to get my prayer, meditation, all the things that are in place that are my prescription on a daily basis for the program. 
and of course the big book as my Bible. And now because of the, the part of my recovery, thank you, dear God, that has helped me become recovered is my cultivation and enlargement of a personal higher power. So I just wanted to say that for me, the behaviors at times when they reverse and they're not so positive, they're just as part of my program as the positive progression of my recovered state. And um, for me, everything was just very, very part of the puzzle that got to help Linda know who Linda is. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Rachel W. Hi, good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W. Recover Compulsive Overeater calling from New York. And this word self-knowledge, it's like glaring off the page. You know, what did that mean for me? Um, I think I found out mostly during my relapse, you know, where I, I just said, well, you know, I basically know how to eat and I've been in this program for so many years and and uh, there's just too much going on and, it's you know, my network's gone and it just, you know, I think I'll just do this on my own. And I did for a couple of months, you know, it was fine. And slowly things just, you know, started falling apart in terms of, you know, started getting gaining a little weight. Well, it's only five pounds. It was only 10 pounds. My clothes still fit. You know, they're a little bit tight, but I still look okay. Well, it's 20 pounds, but, you know, I lost 100. So I'm only 20. Well, you know what, 25. Okay, I'm up to 30, you know, and it just kind of kept climbing and, and the delusions just kept building and building and building. And in the meantime, there was so much chaos that it happened in my life that it was self-created. I was, the, you know, I'm thinking about that, about that farmer, you know, coming out of the cyclone cellar and saying, I don't know what's so wrong here. I only gained, you know, 40 pounds. You know, I'm only going to the podiatrist because I'm beginning to have foot issues again. You know, I'm, I'm only, you know, unable to do my exercises like I used to, but I can still do that. You know, all these justifications and they were manifesting in my personal life as well. And, and, and so much, you know, chaos and, and so many other things that were happening that the truth is, to be honest, it was just life happening because of bad decisions. It wasn't really much more than that, but to me it was just this, this you know, a lot of stuff going on. It seemed so much more because I wasn't working the steps. And you know what, later on, 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 um, on page 87, you know, I'm, I'm comparing this word self-knowledge, this sentence here, what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. How does that happen? You know, where we go from a place of, of, um, self-knowledge and a life, you know, reeking with that to a place where I'm going to have a hunch. I'm going to have an occasional inspiration. It's going to be a working part of my mind. You know, once I begin to, you know, get let go and smash those delusions and, and, and open myself up to an entirely new experience and, and allow my creator and, and allow sort of like the universe just to shift into place, you know, and align myself with these steps, that's the guarantee I will have later on. So, and that's the gift that I have today, and I'm just so grateful for that. So, thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you for sharing, and Gladys. Hi, my name is Gladys F. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I certainly identify um, with some of the similarities in uh, Freya's story because I know when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was like really at a rock bottom, and I worked with the sponsor intensely for five years and had recovery and um, and everything and changed my life. And, you know, then I started having a good relationship with my children. I got a good job and everything, making good money. Everything was going well. 
But then I uh, started, you know, I was married and everything, and I started having problems in my marriage. And I remember my sponsor giving me some uh, suggestions, you know, just like Fred was giving some suggestions. But I thought since, you know, wow, I got everything together now, you know, and it's not that I didn't think I had a problem with food. I knew I had a problem with food. Um, you know, I had even, like, enlarged, uh, my, I thought my spiritual life, but it was more like religiously. But I like the part where it say that Fred would not believe himself. An alcoholic must less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. And um, I think that, you know, was the case with me why I relapsed and I, you know, just like nearly lost everything that I had accomplished because I didn't understand that there was a, you know, that the the spiritual part of, of my disease and I wanted to take back, you know, my will instead of remain, um, you know, close to my higher power's will. You know, and and it's the spiritual malady to me that really uh, took me down. I didn't totally accept that part of the program, or nor even understand it. Uh, So thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing. We have time for a few more shares. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph on Fred? Ginger C. Ginger C, I've got you. R-E-C? Who's that? R-E-C? Sorry, it's a noise on the line. Can you say it one more time? Carrie C? Carrie C. Okay, let's go ahead with those. Ginger C and then Carrie C. Hi, good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service and welcome to everyone on the line, um, especially to new people or people who are suffering with food. Um, the sentence of we have strangely been insane regarding food has just been really hitting me hard. Just um, Today's around four months recovered going through the 12 steps and being with vision and I'm absolutely blown away to see the changes because last fall I was strangely insane and I couldn't get out of bed and I was passing out day after day in the food and the food was just constantly on my mind 24-7 and to be free today and to not be thinking about the food is absolutely mind-blowing and the hardest place with the whole food thing is that we want to stop and we can't stop and self-knowledge will not help us and so I'm so grateful that all that pain and the gift of desperation in the fall came to me because I finally put the white flag up and I said I'm out of ideas and what I'm doing is no longer working, and it's killing me and those around me. And I just think about my kids coming home from school and having to see their mom in bed at 2 in the afternoon because she's been eating sugar since the morning, and she has no energy, and she can't get out of bed. And that's what they had to watch for a couple months as I bottomed out. So I'm, Again, amazed by this program, and again, if you're struggling, just don't quit before the miracle, but you have to do it. You have to put the white flag up. You have to be out of your ideas. I wanted to eat my cake and eat it, too, in OA, and I finally said, you know what? I can't have the cake anymore. I'm going to have a funeral now for this food, and I'm going to have freedom, and I'm going to have a life, and I'm going to live life on life terms. I'm no longer maladjusted. 
I can go through with the help of you and a sponsor and most importantly the 164 pages in this book. So keep coming back and, and just don't quit before the miracle. Thank you and with that I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. And Terry. Hi, this is Terry C. in New York, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this morning, I'm just um, just really moved by all of the shares. Thank you so much. And I'm what's really standing out to me is just this idea that self knowledge is not enough. Um, you know, I came into program at 25 years old after having two weight loss surgeries and ready to have a third. Um, because I was so desperate, desperate as the dying. And, you know, I could see myself having this surgery and losing all of the weight and putting it back on again. But I was so desperate. And so I'm just great, so grateful to have a solution today and to know that by completing a few simple steps, um, you know, it's just those few simple things that we do every day that leads to greatness and that leads to recovery and to this constant you know, dialogue with a power that is, is greater than ourselves because I am my own lower power. Um, and I, I discover that, you know, every day when I try to be the solution myself. Um, and I can tell you all of the right answers, um, but I'm just so grateful to, uh, you know, to be able to rely on other people for the solution um, and that I don't have to be alone anymore and that I, you know, I don't have to be, you know, with my head in the toilet, stuck throwing up because um, I just can't stop eating, um, and that I can be of maximum capacity uh, to other people um, because the solution is not uh, is not anywhere to be found in myself, but in all of you and in this fellowship. And so, um, thank you all for all of your shares and for letting me uh, be a part of it. With that I pass. Thank you for sharing. Terry C. And is there anyone else who has a burning desire to share? We've got time for one more. Uh, Sally, this is Melinda H. Can I say something real quick? Yes, go ahead, Melinda. Yeah, um, this is one of the most powerful meetings that I've ever heard. It's really touched my heart, and I just want to thank you for your service and thank everyone who shared. Thank you, Melinda. Anyone else? We still have a few minutes. This is Kelly L. Hi, Kelly. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Yes, um, I just wanted to kind of claim my seat this morning, and uh, I I just uh, say ditto on the powerful message this morning, and uh, I've just gotten so much out of it, and um, I just want to thank you all for, for your service and sharing and your experience, strength, and hope, and I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mm. Thank you, Kelly L. And I guess we'll go right ahead to our close today. Uh, someone is unmuted to check your phones. I would love to thank our readers for today, Charlie G., Nadia B., and the readers of the text, Devorah S., Lisa H., and Martha Z. 
And a big thank you to all who have shared your experience, strength, and hope. And, and a big thanks to the person who's going to mute their phone in a moment. Um, and just would like to uh, thank you for the opportunity for doing service for this very special meeting. I'd like to say thank you to all who shared and invite you to please join us for a second recorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will ask Martha Z to please read a vision for you, beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, family. This is still Martha Z. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.